0: Everyone, welcome to Dr. MC's Self-Care Cabaret Podcast. I'm Teresa melito Connors, a doctoral-level educational administrator and mental health practitioner focused on helping you, our world's helpers. Every day, we have a choice to prioritize our well-being, to incorporate reflection, recovery, renewal, and resilience strategies into our lives. However, those of us who step up and serve our communities in healthcare, education, nonprofit spaces, and more can struggle with putting ourselves first. I've seen it firsthand. It's a challenge. Enter Dr. MC's Self Care Cabaret. Here, we have real, intimate conversations with leading experts passionate about accessible, sustainable self care in its 10 domains. It's all about the hard work we can take on together to find our spotlight. And it is a great honor that I welcome Dr. Claudia Welch to the podcast today. Dr. Welch's work has been an important part of my personal healing journey. I'm going to tell you a little story. Years ago, when I started studying Ayurveda, her book, Balance Your Hormones, Balance Your Life, was recommended. Fast forward a few years, I found myself without a menstrual cycle. I, like many young women, went on birth control to avoid pregnancy at around 20 years old. I read through the scary pamphlet that the doctor gave you that came with the birth control and all that good stuff, and I even asked some questions. But at the time, I was brushed off, and my doctor said something to the effect of, you know, they have to put those disclaimers there if, like, one person has an issue. Don't worry about it. And back then, what did I know? I trusted the medical professionals without question. Then around 2015, as I said, my period vanished altogether. Just poof, gone. No explanation. Was this a result of my eating disorder? Perhaps. Was it because I had been on synthetic hormones for many years at that point? Maybe. But I wanted answers. I went to several doctors and I went through some really uncomfortable testing and nothing. I was told maybe I have PCOS, but no testing could confirm it. I also did not want to get pregnant, so I was terrified to come off of birth control. The doctors just shrugged at me and said, well, you don't want to get pregnant, so you don't have a period. Don't worry about it. I think I always knew in the back of my mind that that was not healthy. So let's fast forward again to the summer of 2020. I dug out Dr. Welch's book as I was looking to heal my body further after being in recovery for eating disorder at this point for a few years. I decided it was time to really read this book. And when I reached her chapter on synthetic hormones, I stopped dead in my tracks. Birth control is still classified as a carcinogen, a carcinogen, WTF. I was displeased. And in that moment, I decided that was it for me. My husband and I discussed it and I stopped taking birth control. The journey over the next three years has been rather interesting, and I have learned so much about my cycle and hormone health that I never learned before. And that's infuriating to me, but a completely different story. The good news is my period came back on Christmas Day of 2020. Thanks, Santa. The bad news is it was very irregular all over the place, via cramping, heavy, bleeding, clotting, no rhyme or reason or when it would arrive. So, Late summer 2021, I went back to the doctor seeking answers, a different doctor. And again, I was disappointed. I was put through another battery of tests and alas, no answers. The doctor wanted to send me for more invasive tests and I said no. Instead, I started receiving acupuncture. Acupuncture is known to help balance hormones and works particularly well for issues of the reproductive system. And I'm happy to say... That after about a year and a half of acupuncture, although my cycle is not perfect, it is much more regular and manageable. And I know I continue to heal after every session. I'm learning things about my body and hormones thanks to the work of Dr. Welch and others. And I love that. Things I never knew before. Our bodies are so magnificent and I love that I'm on this journey. And I've also heard your menstrual cycle described as... Your report card for your health the month before. So being an overachiever, I like to get a good report card every month. Makes me feel good. Anyway, now you can see why welcoming Dr. Welch to the podcast today is a big deal. Dr. Welch has been a lifelong student of medicine and life. She has practiced Ayurveda, is a licensed doctor of oriental medicine, and has authored the book I mentioned, Balance Your Hormones, Balance Your Life, Achieving Optimal Health and Wellness Through Ayurveda, Chinese Medicine, and Western Science, and another book, The Four Qualities of Effective Physicians, Practical Ayurvedic Wisdom for Modern Physicians. Dr. Welch has lectured internationally on Oriental Medicine and Ayurveda, exploring how Eastern medicine applies to women's health and today's reality in general. And without further delay, here is our conversation. All right, Dr. Welch, we are up and running. Thank you so much. This is such an honor. I'm easily starstruck, but I feel like I have a celebrity on my podcast right now.
1: It's my great pleasure to be here, Teresa. Thanks for inviting me. Thank
0: you. So I love to ask my guests kind of the first question I usually dive in with is, tell me about your self-care practice. What does that look like?
1: I would say that um, the main most important thing, and the answer to many questions for me is to listen to my innermost essence to the best of my ability and act in accordance with that. So that applies to self. That is the ultimate self-care for me because that is the ultimate self. And that is the voice that knows what care that I need. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm listening to that, that will... Be pretty clear about whether I should do something, shouldn't do something or should be or or if I should wait until it becomes clear what I should do. So. This applies to self-care. This applies to conflict resolution. This applies to what do I eat? This applies to do I go out tonight or do I stay in tonight? This applies to is this a good day to um, skip uh, taking a walk? Mm -hmm. Is this a good day to take a little extra long walk? So it's that the main thing for my self-care is that because I do have a daily routine that I do. But that gets affected by that, the needs as expressed by that innermost essence. So I would say, first thing is every day that's so important to me is practice listening to that innermost essence. And second thing is have the courage to act in accordance with it. Yeah,
0: that's really beautiful. I'm always saying in my work that we're just so disconnected. From our physical body, we run around from thing to thing and do let all these outside influences kind of guide how we behave instead of turning inward and listening to our bodies. So I think the really powerful practice. I always start my workshops by asking people, "How are you feeling?" And like, it, it sometimes it takes people like a second. They're like, "Oh, oh, ah, uh, I don't know." Like, you know, just take a minute. It's just, "How are you feeling right now?" No wrong answers. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, the thing with that is Teresa is, is we're not only disconnected from our bodies, we are disconnected from that innermost essence. We don't even know what we need. We don't even know what balance feels like. So, you know, one of the reasons I think that we tend to outspend our emotional, physical and financial and spiritual resources day after day after day, is that we are not practiced at listening to we're disconnected mm-hmm. to that, that in the voice of the innermost essence and may not even know what that is. You know, it's not the intellect. The intellect has serious um limitations. You know, you thing can look good on paper and it turns out like um SHI mm-hmm. and or it look looks terrible on paper and, and ends up being a successful. Root of travel. And s- so it's not just the voice of logic. And it's not just the voice of emotions. Emotions can be up and down and all over the place and hide what our innermost essence is saying. And it's not the voice of seduction saying, oh, if you do this, you'll be thinner, richer, more powerful, more lovers, more more stuff. You know, it's not that voice. And it's not the voice of fear. It's not the voice saying, oh, don't do that. Because if you do that, my life will fall apart, or I won't be able to pay Bills, or I won't be able to, you know, um, have as much sex, or I won't be able to have as much money, or I won't be able to have X, Y, Z that voice. If it, it's not any of those, it's something underneath and unmanipulatable and, um, uninfluenceable by all of those things. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have a practice that you recommend for folks to maybe help tune
1: into that voice? Well I mean I think all the Saints throughout history uh, whether it's Rumi or Jesus or Muhammad or um you know or shamans uh, you know any anyone is going to point us to going to give us prescribed different practices mm-hmm. different prayers different spiritual practices and any one of those is. You know, at at its essence, my teachers, my main teachers have taught me at at their essence, they are turning us into ourselves, turning us into that, you know, kingdom of God is within you kind of language, but less um, denominational, (laughs) less denominationally, but um, everything is turning us into that. So to that voice and that essence. So there's all different kinds of spiritual practices, but basically anything that is turning us inward to listen to that. So that could be as simple as, you know, if we if we're not following a, a, a teacher or a religion or a particular practice, um, my teachers have been very clear with me not to teach people meditation practices or mantras or things like that, because then you take on a certain level of responsibility mm-hmm. that we're ill equipped to take on if we're not of the caliber of you know buddha and christ and <laughs> and certain gurus and so forth but um what we can do which is a very simple beginning is is tune inside with certain visualizations that allow us to kind of you know close our eyes and and tune into being able to to Turn on our internal sensory apparatus and be able to feel internally what's happening in our bodies and in our energetic bodies. I mean, if we tune in to, if we close our eyes, you know, if we just, if you and me just sit here and all the listeners just sit here for a second, close our eyes and turn our attention inward and try with, with our imagination to trace the boundary of us versus not us, which from a visual point of view with our eyes open is the skin. So if we even just try to feel the boundary of ourselves at our skin, it's difficult to feel that boundary uh, all over the place. Maybe you feel the skin a little bit on your fingertips Mm -hmm. or where air is blowing or something, but we don't actually feel when our eyes are closed. Most of us that the boundary of us is at our skin. So the, if we take one step beyond that, it's there's this, what they call the pranamaya kosha, the, the prana body, the life force body, which extends out beyond our skin to a certain point. And, you know, you could call that your aura or your energetic field or some other kind of new agey <laughs> thing. And what, by whatever name we call it, right, there's this sense that we don't end at our skin. And so just if we close our eyes and bring our attention to this kind of force field that we feel is us that permeates the physical body but doesn't end at the boundary of the physical body, doesn't end at the boundary of the skin, if we start to feel, oh, what's going on in there? And we take some slow, deep breaths and, you know, we can feel where there's tight spots or sticky spots or empty feeling spots or, um, this kind of thing, we can kind of breathe into it and just see what's, what's going on in there and breathe into those places and allow them to Mm open up and allow kind of that life force, that energy to flow. It's, you know, it's very simple. There's very simple practices we can do like that, um, that, that begin to tune us into what's happening, not only in our bodies, but in our energy yeah. fields where where are we getting tight? Where are we where are we experiencing our anxiety? Where are we experiencing our stress? And that may not just be in the muscle tissue or in an organ or something. It might just be this energetic feel that we can say, oh okay, well when I breathe it, when I feel stress, where am I locating that in my being and can I breathe into that and let that release? And so it's not a very intellectual process or even an emotional process. It's an energetic process that can help us start to to hear that more of that innermost essence. Yeah, That was
0: beautiful. Thank you. I think sometimes, you know, you mentioned that it was a simple thing. I think sometimes we overcomplicate things in our minds and we're like oh it can't be if it's something that's so simple like how's it going to be beneficial and a lot of self-care practices that I teach folks are the simple things the easy the efficient the effective things you can do everywhere like deep breathing exercises or gentle stretching like those you don't need anything special to do that so I love that so in the introduction I did share how much your book Um, balance your hormones balance your life impacted me um, and how special that book is to me and in that work you talk about you know you really stress the idea that it's far easier to maintain your health than to have to regain it and I think that kind of ties into a little bit about what we were just talking about but can you explain that or maybe share a bit more about that
1: yeah sure um, and before I do that, you know, when we hear that, when we think, you know, most most of us who have, you know, reached beyond thirty five years old, there's something going wrong somewhere, and um, and so it can feel a little um, discouraging to hear that it's easier to maintain health than to restore it. So just off the bat, I'll say that. Almost everybody gets into a situation where something is wrong, and we have to regain or restore health, and that's entirely possible many, many times. So, you know, just to just to have that kind of hopeful outlook as as we um, go into this topic, that you know it's it's true, and it's 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 also possible to to restore and regain health so nobody should feel too too discouraged right but yeah it's i mean i think it's fairly self-explanatory that it's sort of like if if we take a metaphor if if you're keeping up a house if you live in a house and you're keeping up with it the roof starts to leak mm-hmm. and you're like oh the roof is leaking. i've got to i've got to take care of that leak um and oh the window broke we've got to take care of that, that leak. Otherwise there's going to be problems down the road. If we don't do that, what happens? The the rain gets in, it starts to rot out the joists. Mm -hmm. It's, and then the ants come and they start ruining the wall and they start opening up a hole and then the mice come and then they have a place to (laughs) set up camp. And pretty soon your house smells like mice and they've screwed up the insulation everywhere and your house is really, it's going to take an enormous amount of money and work and effort to fix that. And if you haven't fixed the window, the weather's going to come in, it's going to start to rot things out sure. and, you know, raccoons come through the window. So it's like that with the body. If you, if you take care of those broken windows and, and leaky roofs right away, it doesn't have time to affect you know, other organs and organs, you know, one organ more deeply and so forth. So yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I love that metaphor. And when it's funny that you use a house, I always use when I give like the definition, like a real formal definition of self care, I use the foundation of a house as an example, because if you have a cracked, weak, wobbly foundation for your house, you're not gonna have a very... Long lasting house. So I treat self care right. as my f- a foundation, the foundational way you care for yourself so you show up as the best you possible. So very cool. So now we just right. built on that house metaphor. I like that. <laughs> Did you hear the news about our exciting new offering from the Self Care Cabaret? We're calling it talkback If you're familiar with the theater space, you may have participated in a Talk Back before. After a performance, the cast and crew will come back on stage to chat with the audience and answer questions. Think of it as a casual guided discussion. Inspired by this and by popular interest, we've come up with a talkback for the Self Care Cabaret podcast. Groups will listen to a podcast episode or two of their choosing, then I'll come and lead your discussion either in person or virtually of those episodes, expanding on the big ideas. It's a great option for groups looking for short, impactful professional development or smaller teams looking to get an introduction to self-care and well-being. We have done a few of these so far, and let me say they have been so much fun. So if you're interested in bringing a talk back to your group or organization, email podcast at drmcselfcare.com. And now on with the show. So I do want to shift a little bit and start talking about like hormones specifically and women's health. So... After reading your book, and it was specifically around you know synthetic hormones and the use of synthetic hormones, I was on birth control at the time of reading your book, and after reading your book, was like I'm not doing this anymore. So thank you for that because I think it was where you talked about it being a carcinogen that really kind of sent me over the edge, where I was like, oh my, wait, what? Why? Why did I not know this? So I'm wondering if you can talk maybe a little bit more about that, and maybe like how people. Might know if their hormones are out of balance or if they're experiencing an imbalance.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, well, let's take those are two different things. Sure. Like, there's the synthetic birth control, and then how do you know what if your hormones are out of balance? And and so let's take the second one first. How do you know if your hormones are out of balance? And basically, and this is also maybe going to be a little discouraging, but in place, but we've got to we've got to we've got to face up to what reality is before we can get into an encouraging point sure. place about it so the discouraging thing is the simple basic idea here is that if you are under stress you do not have balanced hormones oh. you can't and so that's the discouraging mm. part because so many women are, are going around under enormous sure. stress if that's happening your hormones are not balanced your sex hormones will not be balanced. That's just the clear. And the longer that happens, and the more intense the situation is, the more intense the stress is, and the longer it is. If it's, it could be chronic and mild. It could be chronic and severe. It could be um, a short amount of time under stress, but severe stress. Any one of those things is even a short amount of time with mild stress is going to affect the balance mildly so but but the longer and the more severe it is the more severe that imbalance is going to be and the more deeply that that's going to take root and affect the endocrine system the endocrine system being that system of the body that governs and uh, manages hormonal balance and reg- regulation there's all kinds of reasons for that but that's the bottom line if 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 you're under stress your hormones are not balanced. So w- ways that that you can see that um playing out can be irregular hormones, heavy menstrual cycles, um it, yeah, irregular menstrual cycles, heavy menstrual cycles uh w- not a, uh, amenorrhea no menstrual cycle um light menstrual cycles hot flashes night sweats mood swings um acne related to the um hormonal cycle headaches related to the hormone your menstrual cycle um it could be uh too much lack uh, too much milk if you're lactating to n- not enough milk if you're lactating it could be um, masses in the uh, in the uterus meaning like um, uterine fibroids something like that um, it could be endometriosis it could be fibrocystic breasts it could be um, sore breast Tender breasts before the cycle, like all, all of those things, can can be reflective of hormonal imbalance. Um, so, uh, yeah, mood swings, the, all those kinds of things. So, um, when we see that, we recognize, oh, hormonal imbalance is is a pandemic that makes COVID look right. wimpy yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, for
0: sure. And it's so important. And I think it's not talked about. I mean, yeah. I learned so much from reading your book that like I didn't and I never heard like half of this stuff before, more than half. And I'm like, wait, how did I get to this point that I d- never heard of some of these things?
1: Right. Well, in my particular life, I've talked about it so much that, that, that that's like a nonstop talk, topic of conversation and in, in groups that I have. So the other the part one of your question was, um, about birth control. Um, and you know, this, I do want to mention that I fully recognize that there are young women out there who are sexually active and will not learn their own cycles well enough to be able to, to, to sort that out without birth control, may not, um, use condoms or, or, um, may not have um, IUDs, all all of the kinds of birth control forms are a little problematic in one way or another. And I think that synthetic birth control is problematic, uh, is sufficiently problematic that I don't like it. However, I think it is the lesser of certain evils if a young woman is likely to get pregnant if she's not on that because of the kinds of issues around around that is she, you know is she or can she is she d- does getting an abortion fit with her um her ethics her moral sure. compass her religion her you know, and I'm not making a value judgment on that. If for some women it does, and for some women it doesn't. And um, in many countries, abortion is illegal. And in in many situations, having a baby is extremely difficult yeah. to do at that time. And so putting a young woman in the position where, you know, I would say, hey, You know, I don't like synthetic birth control It comes with side effects that are not good. um, So don't do that. That might put her in a very precarious position. And in such a case, maybe the birth synthetic birth control is a better option than some things. Um, All else being equal without political and religious and ethical and moral um, considerations, I don't like synthetic birth control there. It comes with side effects. It it doesn't, it never comes with no side effects. Um, So it's just a matter of how much of a hit someone's going to take with those side effects, you know? So um, there's a book that, that uh, I know I mentioned and reference in Balance Your Hormones, Balance Your Life that I think is, is a useful read for, for women who are interested in issues around the pill. And that's called The Pill, Are You Sure It's For You? By Alexandra Pope and another wonderful woman whose name I'm blanking on right now, but I love her. Um, But anyway, it's a great, it's a great book. It's excellent resource. And then, uh, you know, and there's Tony Weschler's book. Here I am promoting other people's work, but these are really great, great works. Um, Tony Weschler's uh, book on fertility, which um, now I can't remember what that one's called either, but. it's on fertility. It's Tony Weschler. Big it's, one? it's very a really popular thick book. It's fairly thick. I it's a big book, but after reading your book and it's, <laughs> it's incredible about teaching, teaching us how to, um, how to take charge of oh, taking charge of your fertility. That's oh, the name of the know. book. And that's what, <laughs> um, and so it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting that that information is helpful, both in how to prevent unwanted pregnancies and how to achieve wanted pregnancies. The same information can help depending on where a woman is in her life. It doesn't rely, but you, the woman has to put in the time, which a lot of teenage women and women in their twenties are not going to do. I wasn't interested in it
0: (laughs) when I went on birth control. I was like, no, and even, you know, I, when I started experiencing some issues with my menstrual cycle, I had just gotten married, and I was like, "I'm not, I'm not interested. We don't want children, so no." And you know, even when I read your book, kind of the first time, I was like, "eh," and kind of put it aside. It wasn't until the summer of 2020, or here, I was reading it again, realizing, "Okay, this not having a period, like this is feeling like this isn't healthy." And I was seeking out answers, pulled your book out again, and was like, "Oh, oh." But that took a long time. And I was in a place at that time to receive that information. I wasn't in my 20s. I wasn't ready. wasn't even in my early 30s ready to hear that information.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that honesty, Teresa. And that's what I find is that, you know, I desperately want women who are teen, in their teens and 20s to know and understand and get this information and they right. don't they they're not interested until they're until after 35 which is when and I explain why this is in the book and in and in the the um the women's health and hormones online course which is which I would recommend for anybody to take with the book because it gives things that the book can't give and vice versa they're a really good connection but you know, I'd like, I explain in the book and in in the, in that course, why that's so why, why at 35, we start seeing more and more problems. And, and it's at that point that women are starting to say, Oh yeah. All right. I occasionally in their early thirties, but almost never in the twenties. Yeah, I
0: know. Well, and I think that, you know, synthetic hormones, my own opinion, although it is somewhat, I've read different studies and seen different statistics about how, it is causing a lot of um, depression um, and other mental health issues in young women and just other health issues in general, possibly linked back to going on synthetic hormone at like a really young age.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is. And yeah, there is. What can I say? It's true. I mean, there's, there's issues and, um oh, so you know, I mean, okay, so if we're talking about a young woman who is not going to figure out their own cycle and who we recognize that um, if they get pregnant, that's that's bringing in this whole other um level of complexity to their emotional and physical well-being. So if we're recognizing that and synthetic hormones, tend you know tend to be the answer for that which synthetic hormones are going to be the least problematic and I will say that as many problems as I've seen with day day-to-day daily birth control pills I would recommend that over injections that stop the mm-hmm. cycle um like I mean, Daily birth control pills are stopping the cycle. the The bleeding that happens on on the days you don't take the pill that's breakthrough bleeding. It's not a real. Period. I just learned
0: that. So every, like, <laughs> just I, I was you know in the last couple of years as I've been doing this research, just learned that. with a PhD approaching forty years old, never realized that before.
1: It's something, isn't it? There's a lot. There's a lot that we just kind of take for granted. But even with that, I think it's better than. Injection kind of stuff. I just saw so much suffering with women around getting off of um, injection Mm -hmm. uh, forms of synthetic birth control that are geared to stop you from ever having a period. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know. So what, you know you talk about in the book also, you know, we get back to like hormones and obviously like stress and playing a major factor in probably many of our lives, but you talk about kind of a lot about balance and the balance of yin and yang as it pertains to hormones. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Like what, and what can we do? Don't be stressed. Sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. <You're> right. <laughs> um, well, that's really it. I mean, don't be stressed, but that means, you know, when we say don't be stressed, we have to look at where the stress is coming from, right? I mean, so I, I will say more about the balance, but again, we're in a two-part throwing a question lot of questions here, at you. <laughs> right? You know, what do we do about it? What do we do about it? First of all, please, please read the book and take the course because the course is um, a you know this this um, this nutshell of what I learned and taught over decades and. That nutshell takes eleven hours to to share, and so I can't. You know, I'm not going to be able to do that justice. But I I can share a little bit about the balance and and um, uh, and I'll I'll go back to that in a second. But that the other part of your question here, in terms of what, um, if we take the question, let me just kind of separate it out. So the quest, question is. Can we explain something about the balance, and what do we do to get back into balance? Is that yes. kind of all right. so uh, uh, let me take the first part um, explain about balance. So, there's there's a perspective that Eastern medicine, which is to say both Ayurveda and Chinese medicine, traditional mm-hmm. Chinese medicine, and there are many other kinds of medicine out there, but I'm specifically looking at these two because this is where my training is. It's interesting when we look at these two uh, form these two ancient forms of Eastern medicine because they both have these holistic outlooks. But their holistic outlooks and the, the the paradigms, the lenses through which they view reality are different from each other. So for example, they both talk about five elements, but the five elements they talk about are different and interact right. differently. One of them talks a great deal about the internal organ systems, they, they call it. But the other one doesn't talk about that so much. And one of them talks about Vata Pitta and Kapha, right. these doshas, the body. Chinese medicine doesn't talk about that at all. That doesn't really have an equivalent. And You can try to massage things sure. to make it be an equivalent. It doesn't. But one thing that they both have, which I find really fascinating, that there's these very different points of view on a lot of things in these two different holistic systems. But the, but they look at this one, they use this one lens through which to view reality that is exactly the same in both traditions. And that's the lens of duality and duality, you know, is, is described the same way in both systems of medicine. And which may leads me to feel this is a very archetypical way of, viewing reality these two separate cultures that came up with all kinds of different ways to to describe and understand reality came up with exactly the same way to describe and understand reality in this particular lens and this is the lens of duality and and what we've got is on one hand we've got yin which is synonymous in ayurveda with santarpana or Brahmana um, gunas qualities these and what the what yin is what prana is is this aspect of duality that is um that we can describe using words like calming building nourishing cooling grounding mm-hmm. you get the you get the feel of that right and on the other side of that polarity on the other aspect of duality is this yang rhymes with long right yang um uh, if in Ayurveda, it's called the apatarpana or langana, you get this yang side of things and the qualities associated with the yang reality is stimulating, motivating, lightening, heating, activating, this kind, you get mm-hmm. that feeling going. And so um, when we look at balance in the human organism or in any animal organism or, plant organism there's a balance of substance which is the grounding nourishing building stuff and sort of an energetic um kind of thing the stimulating motivating yeah. thing whether you know some kind of activity in the organism so we are prima donnas human beings we are <laughs> prima donnas on one side we've got hot on the other side we've got cold which are are examples of mm-hmm. yang and yin yang being hot yin being cool so we've got hot cold 96.8 you know or 98.6 right we've got this we've got this very narrow parameter in which we're comfortable mm. right so 98.6 that's our that's our baseline um 37 degrees celsius for anybody listening from from celsius oriented countries right but we've got that's, that's our happy place. And a, a degree or two on either side, we're very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. A degree or two more, we're dead. That's the balance I'm talking about. And that balance is between hot and cold, light and heavy, oily and dry substance and energy like all of these things have to coexist in our being and what are the forces that manage that and keep us not too hot not too cold just in that right little (laughs) prima donna thing right what does that hormones do that they make us hungry they make us thirsty they make us feel satiated they make us feel um tired they make us feel act Uh, energetic they make us feel calm they they make us do all these things feel all these things and they respond to what we're doing so if we are highly active in our life it's going to increase that kind of active stimulating motivating heat um lightening effect on us and if we're slow and we're sleeping a lot and eating cold heavy wet dense food we're going to get more heavy and cold and wet and dense and slow and and too much on either side is going to be problematic right too much heavy slow dense that's going to give us masses uh, uh, excess weight excess fatigue excess things like that too much stimulating lightening motivating we're going to we're going to be too skinny it's not going to be good for us it's not going to be good for our hormonal health it's we're going to get insomnia and anxiety and you can have happily you can have both of these (laughs) things going on at the time okay maybe it's not happily but that gets in that gets into a little confusing thing like why does that happen why do you get fatigued and overweight if you are always Mm. outspending resources and you're too activated and too motivated and that's a whole thing we go into in the course. and it's something that naturally happens. And if so, if you're, for example, very stressed out and you ha- are carrying excess weight, it may be if that stress is because, if that excess weight is because of excess weight too long affecting the endocrine system and the endocr- and the insulin producing portion of the pancreas, that weight is there because of that not because of being too slow eating too much not exercising enough and so if you do those things if you over exercise if you under eat if that's going to make it worse so this is why we have to see for every individual what why is the weight too little why is it too much why is the um why is the fatigue there? Is it because of just excess lethargy or is it because you've overworked and you're fatigued? So we have to look at each person's um, situation in order to understand where they are in this balance.
0: Yeah. It's wild. (laughs) It's so important though. And it's like, this isn't stuff that people generally talk about people generally study and, and, or other medical professionals share. I mean, it's not, it's not really how we do things here. I'm a big proponent of Ayurveda myself. I have studied it, not certainly not to the magnitude that you have. um, But it's just, it's fascinating to me. And I wish that more people understood it and were interested in it or exposed to it, or had access to it. Well, thanks
1: to you, that's happening. (laughs)
0: We're trying. (laughs) So I'm wondering, you know, what is Maybe like your kind of go to practice, like, do you have something that you or like a favorite thing that you like to do to kind of help keep yourself de-stressed and in balance?
1: So before we go to that, let me, let me address that second part of the question that you asked, how do we get back to balance? You know, that was the, you know, so we, we looked at balance a little bit, but, but in terms of getting back to balance, this is an interesting thing, right? Because. We know when we're stressed mm-hmm. out. All right. So say say we recognize that our hormones are out of whack. Something's going on with our cycles or our moods or something like that. Um, And we think, okay, well, my cycle's out of whack because... I'm stressed out. Okay. Why am I stressed out? I'm stressed out because I get up too early and I go to bed too late because I'm too busy and I bring my kid to soccer and I've got a full-time job and I'm trying to grow marigolds in my garden. And I, I don't know, you know, like just things, right. There's so many things going on and I'm supposed to have a hobby and I'm supposed to be politically engaged and I've got all this stuff going on and I, you know, okay, well, I'm, why am I doing all of those things? What is the cause of, we're going to look at the cause of the cause of the cause of the cause. So what is the cause of the hormonal imbalance? The stress. Why am I stressed? Because I'm overworking. Why am I overworking? When we get to the cause of the cause of the cause, there's often a belief system there. I'm doing this because I don't think I'm beautiful enough. I'm doing this because I don't think I'm thin enough. I'm doing this because I think I'm too thin. I'm doing this because um, I think I need more money. I'm doing this because I think my kids need a good life and this is the only way to give it to them. I'm doing this because XYZ XYZ. And it's that that we've got to look at. Okay, well, why do I think this? And I think that what I've seen at the bottom of this when we start going down those rabbit holes are we're doing this because we're possessed. Mm -hmm. We're possessed by an idea of what success is. We're possessed by an idea of what beauty is. We're possessed by an idea of what a healthy work ethic is. I mean, look at our work ethic and what we say is a good work ethic. When we point somebody out and say, oh, so-and-so has a great work ethic, what does that mean? And where does that come from? I have a friend who came back from a foreign country once some 10 years ago, and they were doing a job there. And they came back and they said, oh, they have a terrible work ethic in that country. They're so lazy. (laughs) Like, whoa. All right. Let's look at that. You know, like, so so does that mean they're not working 70 hours a week and they have right. time for their families and time for themselves and they're going to have a cup of tea with somebody who drops in and spend some actual time with another human being in the middle of their work day? And that's what we're calling it. <laughs> it takes a lunch break. And if we look at where our work ethic is coming from here, if you've listened to the podcast 1619, we look at the role of enslaved people in our country and we look at where our work ethic came from, there was quotas that, that overseers put on enslaved people where they had to pick X number of bushels of cotton in a day. And if, if those workers, if those enslaved people didn't make that quota for the day, they were severely punished. And yet, if they went over it, they were going to make everybody else's, all their friends and their life miserable right. from then on because then it was a new height that you were supposed to meet every day and then when slavery ended that 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 um work ethic that that um, blueprint of how to get more out of human beings as much as you can squeeze as much out of you as you can out of human beings that still applied that was how you they were paid a little bit but it was still quota based and then when the industrial Revolution happened that was how we made cars like that was how we started to do things you have a quota right. you've got to make this quota that's considered that's a good work ethic apparently yeah. look how screwed up that is <laughs> Teresa right and how screwed up we are still I mean, because of all that <laughs> and then we feel guilty when right. we're not meeting our self-imposed quota because we've internalized that possession. Yeah. The country was possessed by this idea, and I'm not saying we don't that that hard work is never appropriate. I, I think, I think working hard, you know, in alignment with our innermost essence, that can be a very fulfilling thing, and sometimes very difficult. It's not that, that those times don't always happen, but if that's the daily fare. I think we are possessed by a ridiculous idea that is hurting us a lot. Absolutely.
0: Well, if you look at the work work-life balance statistics in this country and folks using their paid time off there's been a steady decline in that over the last um it's like this i think the data that i have is like the 1970s to like now people used to take like an average of 20 days off now they're taking 10 and this is your earned paid time off we're not talking about other leave like it's just wild that people don't they tie themselves to this work ethic this being busy is a badge of honor and overdoing it
1: yeah. Yeah. And then and we say that we're the best country in the world. I mean, this has just got to be people who have not been <laughs> outside of the U.S. Yeah, for sure. Right. Who don't know what siesta is, who who don't know what having, a, you know, a mandatory X amount of time after giving birth, yeah. you know, a paid away from your job. You know, there's plenty of countries that are working that out uh, more human in a more to me human friendly yeah, way for sure so when so how do we get back into balance we we look at what our belief systems mm-hmm. are and what we you know what what belief systems are possessing us what are we possessed by or you know what we have some kind of cultural societal possessions that seem to be possessing us on individual levels we're buying them and it's ultimately up to each one of us not to do that you know
0: i love that couple of ideas first of all what is what are you possessed by that may be the episode title i love that but also getting to like the cause of the cause of the cause of the cause and getting like really peeling back those layers to see where you're at the root what's at the root of your belief system
1: what is possessing me what is possessing me to do what yeah. i do what is motivating me to do what i do and i think what i find a lot is fear is possessing mm. us to do, what we do fear that our lives are going to fall apart if we really start to live the lives we want to be living yeah. it's such an un, it's such an unusual situation except it's incredibly common it's so common that it's practically universal that it's but it's so odd it makes no sense that you know when we really look at like what is the life i'm i want to be living it is ironic i don't know if that's the word that it takes the most courage to live that life and not the life we don't want to be living living the life we don't want to be living is what many many of us are doing and i think we're doing it because we're afraid our lives are going to fall apart if we stop doing that But what I've seen, and I keep an open mind that maybe your life will will fall apart in some irrevocable, horrible way if we stop doing something that we don't want to be doing. But it's not what I've seen yet. What I've seen is that life gets better. And I understand that fear. I, I understand that fear. I've felt that fear before. I think that, you know, really, if we can, a lot of us have to be intellectually satisfied that Doing this, living a life we don't want to be living, is hurting us, and it's hurting others, and it's hurting the planet. And if we're really satisfied by with that, and we see the statistics and the health repercussions and all of that kind of stuff, then we may have the courage to take a little step and throw something out that we don't want in our lives, and see whether that's driving our kid to soccer every day or working an extra 10 hours a week on something or doing it's, you know, it's not that, you know, we get to do everything we want to do when we want to do it exactly. Or maybe it is that, but it's that the things we want to do are not always easy, right? It's, you know, it's not always easy to do, to live the life we want to live, but we know what we want to be doing and what we don't want to be doing. So if we're doing something that we want to be doing, but it's hard, we can find the courage to do that. And that changes the physiology of stress. Whereas if we're doing something we don't want to be doing, we really don't want to be doing it. The whole physiology lines up against us. We get punished twice. (laughs) We get punished by doing the thing we don't want to be doing. And we get punished for doing it. It's like in terms of our health and hormone balance. For sure. My goodness. Thank you
0: so much for sharing all of your wisdom and expertise with us. I think it's just so much to think about. And I want to make sure before we wrap up that folks know where to find you. We'll make sure your website and everything. You talked about your wonderful courses and your books. Make sure everything's linked in the episode notes. But if you just want to give us your website and maybe your social media handles
1: for folks, that would be great. Sure. Yeah. So my website is www.drclaudiawelch.com. That's drclaudiawelch, like the grape juice, there's no S in it, <laughs> dot .com. And, um, and I think that my Instagram and Facebook handles are both just drclaudiawelch. And um, and you can also find me at sutsungam.net these days. Um, doing a, a course called Vedic Threads with my colleague and friend Dr. Ram Kumar, and in that we get away from women's health and are talking more about um, Indian knowledge systems, and um, and and that 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 relates a bit to what we're talking about. In that we kind of we're exploring we're exploring things that that may help us shift our perspective on life and how we see things matters um, and can and can make a beneficial difference in our lives in in terms of how how it affects our belief systems and coaxes us away from insanity Mm -hmm. to a more sane um, position.
0: Nice. We'll we'll make sure all of that is linked. And again, thank you so much. Such an honor to connect with you and chat with you here on the dr mc self-care cabaret podcast um very exciting and um just thank you so much
1: thank you so much Teresa, for all your good work and thanks to everybody listening been a joy to be here
0: wow what an honor it was to chat with Dr. Claudia Welch. As I've explained, her book really changed my life when I was ready to digest and hear that information. I plan to share more about my healing journey in that regard in the coming months, so stay tuned for that. But really, Dr. Welch gave us so much to think about and consider, such as connecting to our innermost essence. And step two, having the courage to honor that essence. What a powerful practice. And I love how she talked about getting to the root of what is possessing you. Mm. Much to contemplate. Love it. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you're feeling more energized and empowered. If you like what you heard here today, subscribe and leave a review for this podcast on your preferred player. Follow along on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. MC Self Care and Dr. MC's Self Care Cabaret on LinkedIn. You can also visit my website, drmcselfcare.com, for the latest updates and to sign up for my cast party, my e newsletter. And if you're ever interested in having me present to an audience near you, email info at drmcselfcare.com. Thanks again, stay well, and do good.